Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, citizens, to Liberty Tales from the Tower. As your media director, it is my privilege to inform you that the following stories will contain content some listeners will certainly find disturbing. But first, a message from us here at this station. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, citizens. We are happy to announce the selected patron for our comic book cameo. Congratulations to Jennifer Clinkenbeard, and welcome to the world of liberty. <laughs> Thank you, Aurelia, and congratulations to the winner. Following the unexpected halt to yesterday evening's Rising Strides concert performance at the Geneva Music Hall, the Medical Response Center is happy to report the orchestra's full recovery. Though they have still not been seen since their hurried quarantine. The MRC also asks that anyone who suffered an injury from any member of the orchestra please go to the nearest medical response center office. Now, for this week's episode of Tales from the Tower, we find ourselves following a wayward citizen in Escape by Pacific S. Obadiah. I awoke. It was four o'clock. I had to go. I had to leave before it was too late, before anyone realized what I had done. 
My go bag was packed and my contact was supposed to meet me at 4.30 sharp. Today, I was leaving Atreus. I was going to venture to the other side of the wall. To the fringe. A very select group know the truth about the fringe. I did because I helped smuggle meal to the world beyond the wall. And because of this, I had friends waiting for me on the other side. Once I was free... I would no longer be at the risk of being hunted or of the Archon judging me for wrongdoings. I was going to escape. I had accumulated a large stockpile of meal and goods, and I would be a god out there. But before any of that could happen, I needed to get out of the city before anyone noticed me. Archon forbid any of my neighbors would be awake to see me leave or a fellow officer bump into me. I looked around my apartment was shabby and small, but it was my home. I had lived there for almost twenty years. As I turned, I caught a glance of myself in the mirror. The bags under my eyes had grown prominent. How many days had I gone without sleep? I had been too anxious to sleep lately. I needed to be awake and alert in case anything changed. I paced around the apartment. Suddenly, my familiar walls seemed to enclose on me. I felt claustrophobic. My doctor told me to always take in deep breaths when I got overly hyper or grew worked up about something. Five, four, three, two, one. I felt better. In fact, I felt great. Today I was leaving Atreus. Wait. My wall intercom was blinking. Had it always been blinking? Was someone spying on me right now? I bet those bastards are watching me and laughing right now. The little red light mocked me. I took a few more deep breaths. After all, it it was no matter. I would be out of there soon, but still. I was afraid they might grow suspicious of my activity. I didn't want to cause worry. I opened my door a crack and looked out into the hall. I wanted to make sure no one had come up to check on me. The hall was empty. No one seemed to be aware of my plan. I slid the door, then sat on my bed, working on breathing exercises. When I opened my eyes, it was 4.30. Finally, I jumped into motion, grabbed my go bag, stocked full of clothes and meal, and rushed out of my apartment into the hall. I stopped myself at the stairs. If I kept running, I'd surely wake up some of the neighbors. I decided to take a deep breath and slowly go down the steps. Archon forbid someone woke up and saw me leaving. After all, these were my neighbors. People I knew, citizens I had lived alongside for years. But if I was caught, if anyone saw me, well... Well, that's why I took my pistol. It was not something I wanted to do, but something I wouldn't hesitate to do. 
as I eased myself down the stairs, slowly applying my weight to each step. I made sure to avoid the sixth and seventh step. Both creaked loudly, and that wasn't something I was willing to risk. After much agonizing precaution, I made it to the bottom. Through the security door, I could see my contact waiting on the street corner, just as we had agreed. I made my way out to the street, glancing over my shoulder to reassure myself that none of my neighbor's lights were on. Then, looking up and down the streets, I scanned them one more time to ensure that they were empty. Finally, freedom, I said out loud. But just as I turned to walk towards my contact, I saw him turn and walk away. This wasn't part of the deal. No. No, this wasn't supposed to happen at all. I, I could feel my heart racing, and I ran toward my contact. I had to get out of Atreus. Wait! This only made the figure rush away, so I slung my duffel bag over my shoulder and sprinted after him. Though I may have grown unappreciative of my post, serving as a guardsman my entire adult life had kept me in shape enough to catch up to my contact. He turned to look over his shoulder, and his eyes grew wide when he saw me. That's when I noticed my contact was a young guy. Probably had never even held a pistol in his short lifetime. Probably hadn't even thought of the things I'd seen. But that didn't matter, no. The only thing that mattered was getting out. It wasn't much longer before I'd caught up to the man, grabbing him by the collar of his hood. His legs flew out in front of him. <laughs> he hadn't been expecting the sudden force of resistance. I was much larger than him, and he was a lightweight, so it was easy to carry him. I stepped towards the alleyway, pulling him along, moving us both out of sight. I didn't mean to do what I did. Perhaps it was the fear or the adrenaline or a cocktail of the two, but I pushed my contact against the wall harder than I meant to. He grunted and yelped in pain. <laughs> Silent. Do you want to wake up the entire block? The man squirmed against my grip, so I pulled him toward me and slammed him against the wall again. Stop it! That's when I realized he was young. He looked like he was barely 18, soft around the eyes. Fringe. He still had his baby fat. I took a deep breath, trying to slow my racing heart, and I lowered the boy. Harkon's breath, I... I'm sorry, kid. The boy just glared up at me and fixed his shirt. It had wrinkled under my fist. Deal's off. I'm leaving. The kid was about to say more, but I stopped him short when I wrapped my hand around his neck. No, I don't... I don't think the deal is off. In fact, I believe you were just about to show me where the exit is. I leaned in close and was just about to whisper another threat when suddenly... The kid's head just exploded right before my eyes. I was taken aback by the sudden crater of gore that was once his face. I, I froze for a split second. Thoughts racing through my head. Had, had someone caught wind of my deal? Had they been aiming for me? Or my own people, perhaps even the fringers backing out of their deal, ensuring that I didn't get out? Well, it didn't matter. I regained my senses and ducked down, reaching into the boy's jacket, hoping he had something that might help me. 
It took a moment to find, as it was hidden in a false bottom pocket, but my fingers brushed against an old sliver of data paper. I pulled it out and dashed through the alleyway and across the street. I spent at least twenty minutes or so running between alleys, going in odd circles, hoping to lose whoever had a target on my head. When I finally felt safe enough to stop for a breather, I unfolded the hidden message. The sliver was worn and faded, and had obviously seen its fair share of use. It was an old map of the tunnels under Atreus. It on one specific tunnel in the southeastern corner of District 10, it was a small emblem. That's where I needed to go. I didn't know the tunnels very well, but the map would be detailed enough to help get me through. The biggest problem was just getting into the tunnels. Most of the entrances needed a special clearance to be accessed, but there was an old entryway I knew about. It's what maintenance guys usually used. (laughs) The only problem was it was always guarded. Nothing serious, usually just two guys messing around and waiting for the shifts to be over. But I didn't want any more blood on my hands. Plus, I knew most of the guards in the district, and they were upstanding citizens who didn't deserve to be pulled into any of this. It wasn't a long walk to the old maintenance tunnel entryway, but when you're slipping between alleys and watching your back, it takes a while. So by the time I arrived at the walkway nearest the tunnel, the sun had already started to rise. From my position, I could see two guards, both lounging, arms crossed, casually chatting. took me a moment, but I recognized one of them. He was a blonde guy named Jovian. He was in the class below mine. We, we hadn't talked much, but we knew each other. And he knew I was an officer, so maybe I could pull rank if he got suspicious. I thought about what I was going to say, worked out a contingency of everything went terribly wrong, and that's when I noticed that my hands were shaking. Now that the adrenaline had finally started fading, my body was left jittery and tense. I decided shoving my hands in my pockets was the best way to circumvent this issue. I readjusted my duffel bag around my shoulder and did my best to act natural. I approached them slowly, waving a shaky hand as I got closer and then cramming it back into my pocket. Jovian, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. Are you all right? Jovian frowned at me, then glanced to his partner. Oh, I'm doing quite well. And who is this? I don't believe we've met. I extended my hand, doing my best not to let it shake. I'm Lieutenant Lucanus Powell. Jovian's partner glanced at it nervously, then shook my hand. I'm Officer Garad, but sir, uh, all due respect, are you all right? I looked between the two guards. They had very concerned looks on their faces. Yes, yes, I'm fine. I haven't been sleeping well, but there's more work to do. They're sending me down to the tunnels to find some guy who... Who did? Straight from command. I'm sorry, sir, but I'll have to call that in to confirm. Jovian, really? Why would I lie about this? I stepped towards the two and they jolted back, reaching for their guns. Sir, please don't take another step. I don't want to have to restrain you. Restrain me? Why would you do that? You're covered in blood. Sir... Please put your hands up. I lifted a hand to my face and wiped at it. Sure enough, there were small dots of blood, mostly dried, that clung to my face. I looked down and saw that more was covering the top of my shirt. Raise your hands over your head, sir. Shit. Jove, please. There's no need to- Above your head! 
His grip on his pistol tightened. He looked at Jovi and it was frozen in place. This was my moment to strike. Just as Garad's head turned, I reached for my pistol and fired off three rounds. Two made contact, hitting Garad in the chest and shoulder, and he fell. Jovian remained frozen for a moment more before reaching for his pistol, but by then, I had already charged at him. I made contact with Jovian and tackled him to the ground. He was knocked out immediately. Sorry, kid. There was no time to hide the bodies. The noise would almost certainly have attracted attention. I ran to the tunnel's entrance and swiped my hand against the reader. My clearance worked. For now. I pulled the map I had got from my contact's body. Each tunnel had scribbles around it, and a bright red path that had been redrawn a few times. In all hopes, it led from entrance to exit. I pulled the flashlight from my bag and held it between my teeth to illuminate the map. I traced my finger along the path. Forward, past two splits, then right, forward, then right, then down a forked tunnel, left, right, right, right. I could do this, I told myself. I shoved the map in my pocket and ran forward. I passed the two tunnels that split off from the main one. And just as I started to make the first right turn, I heard an entrance door open behind me. I turned and saw five guards, fully equipped with riot gear and rifles. One pointed at me and the other four rushed toward me. I sprinted down the tunnel, then made another right, then a left, and another left. After running for what felt like an eternity, I finally stopped, exhausted and out of breath. My shoulder ached from carrying around the heavy duffel bag. I leaned against a wall, cold against my hot skin. I panted. I thought I thought I had lost them a few turns ago. There was lots of winding turns down here, tons of places I could have run. I slowed my breathing and listened closely. I could hear faint footsteps and murmurs, but they seemed far away. I continued down my path. Next, I took another right, walked a little bit, took another right, before finally taking the last right and stepping in front of a door. It was an old, heavy steel door. The faded words, authorized personnel only, could be made out, but more importantly, the symbol of the death bribers, my contacts. They did steady business with me, and now they were going to set me free. I knocked on the door several times, and slid it open slowly. Blinding white light greeted me on the other side. I I stepped in the door and let my eyes adjust. When the light had faded, I looked around and saw I was at the entrance of the maintenance tunnel. What the fuck? I turned and saw the collapsed bodies of Jovian and Garad. How did I get here? I was holding the map in my hands and the flashlight in my teeth. I read over the directions again. Right, right, left, left, right, right, right. I crammed the map back into my pocket and ran down the tunnel again. First passing two tunnels, I turned down a third. And just as I did, I heard the entrance door slide open and five sets of footsteps. 
I turned and was greeted again to the sight of five guards. One stopped and pointed at me and the other four sprinted toward me. I followed the exact same route I did last time, made all the same turns, and I lost the guards at exactly the same spot. I stopped at the exact spot and caught my breath. Then, after listening for the guards' footsteps, I assured myself they weren't following. I turned and continued down the path, making three more rights and stopping at a door that bore a small death briber's tag. I knocked three times, and a moment later, the door slid open. I peeked inside. At first glance, it looked fine. It was exactly what one might expect. Concrete floor, old pipes, and lots of dust. But as I opened the door further and stepped in, the world faded away. Again, I was blinded by a white light. As soon as it faded, I found myself back at the entrance of the maintenance tunnel. Jovian and Garad's body laid outside, map in my hands, and flashlight in my teeth. What the fuck is going on? I looked over the map, traced the red route with my finger, and started. Just as before, when I started to make my first right turn, guards burst in. I turned over my shoulder and saw exactly what I had before. One guard pointing, four others started sprinting toward me. I'm not going to run this time. I stared at the guards as they ran towards me, and then they stopped, mid-step, frozen. I took a step towards them, and I felt a piercing pain in my brain, as if someone had driven a pickaxe into my head. The world around the guards started to fade into white until it became blinding, but this time I was taken somewhere dark. I stood there for what felt like an eternity, writhing in the agony of my headache. Then suddenly, it stopped. I felt clear of mind, and the world became bright again. I squeezed my eyes shut and opened them, and when I did, I saw that I was holding the map of the tunnels with a flashlight in my teeth. I needed to go, quickly. I didn't know why, but I needed to run. Someone was going to catch me if I didn't make it to the Death Briber's secret exit. So I traced my finger along the red path drawn on the map and whispered the directions to myself. Right, right, left, left, right, right, right. I ran down the tunnel, but just as I was about to make my first turn, I heard the tunnel door slide open. Turning, I saw five guardsmen at the entrance. One pointed at me, and the others ran forward. This made me run faster. I followed the directions on the map. Right, then left, then left again. Finally, I thought I had lost them, so I stopped and took a moment to catch my breath. After my breathing steadied, I carefully listened to the guards. I heard faint footsteps and murmurs, but it seemed like I'd lost them. I continued down the tunnel, making three rights, until finally I came to an old door that bore the symbol of the death bribers. I knocked three times, and the door slid open. But, just as I walked in, I was greeted with a blinding white light. When the light finally faded, 
I found that I was strapped to a chair. A needle was jabbed into my temple, and my lips felt dry. I tried to move my head, but it was restrained, as was the rest of my body. Is this where it is? Are we sure? Yes, ma'am. He ran the exact same route three times. There were minimal changes to his overall memory. Except when he tried to break the loop. Yes, except for that. Hmm, odd. We were unable to find any secret passage when we apprehended him. Let's run the simulation a few more times to ensure that we have the proper path. No. 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 No, I can't go back. Don't make me do it again. Lieutenant Powell, you stand convicted of killing and looting your fellow officers. We have reports that not only did you abuse your post and trick those in service under you to garnish their wages, but you were also caught working with an unknown faction to bring precious supplies outside of the city, not only stealing meal from hard-working citizens, but also selling Atrian property to our enemies. I struggled against my restraints until... I awoke. It was four o'clock. I had to go. I had to leave before it was too late. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast, Tales from the Tower. Escape was written by Pacific S. Obadiah. Edited by Caitlin Statz, co-created and produced by Travis Vengroff, and mixed by Brandon Strader. Escape was read for us by Steve Schneider and features additional voices by Travis Vengroff, Paul Maya, Joseph Teagle, and Abby Kindler. Pacific is the creator of the horror podcast Lake Clarity, available on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by liking and reviewing our show on iTunes. This production is copyrighted 2017 by John Dossinger Publishing, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Vengroff. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.